Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere pods are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation welcome to the fantasy nba today podcast One glorious Windows update later, a pair of cold boots, a regular reboot, and some adjusting of audio levels and drivers later, and here we are. A podcast is coming at you from my bedroom, slash office, slash recording studio, slash pandemic hiding place. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy NBA Today. It is crap. I don't even know. Thursday? Thursday, June 18th on Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter, and this is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com's website at hoopball fantasy is the Twitter account. At Hoopball Tweets also available there. Good stuff going on at Hoopball these days. They got the continuing live show coverage of the Hoopball expansion draft. We've created a brand new team, and we are protecting players from every other franchise. And the fantasy draft, or the, uh, I should say, uh, expansion draft will be taking place in the next couple of weeks. Wonderful work once again being done by our buddies over there on the live show team, led by the great Steve Vidovich. Tonight, Thursday night, another live show is on the docket. This one not on the expansion draft, covering contemporary. The news of the day, the return Yahoo Fantasy Rankings. That'll be Lyle, and uh, I believe that is Marcus Braden on tonight's show. So make sure to check that out. That's live on our HoopBall YouTube page. We're sort of transitioning now on this podcast into the next phase of our not-quite-off-season, whatever you want to call it, in-between-season coverage of the NBA. We've bounced uh, between post-mortems and lessons learned and COVID news and uh, social reform. It is a weird time to have a fantasy basketball podcast. There's just only so many things you can do. So what we're going to try to do now is transition towards the future. We spent the better part now of over three months. Remember, March 11th is when the NBA shut down. We're at June 18th now. It's a freaking springtime miracle that we've been able to come up with enough content to get us to this point. So what I'd like to do is look a little bit more towards what's coming meaning the resumption of the NBA season, which I believe is going to happen. By the way, it sounds like baseball is starting to get a little bit closer for whatever that's worth. We'll see if it uh, see if it actually holds. But the resumption of the NBA season, exactly six weeks away from right now. So we're really in countdown mode. Think of it this way. Last year, the NBA season started in mid-October. 
six weeks away was roughly early mid-September, like September 10th. What were we doing around September 10th last year? We were prepping for the upcoming season. And so as I started to go through that concept in my mind, I thought, you know what? It's not too early to start looking at the resumption. I truly have no idea how many people are going to be playing fantasy basketball during the eight-game season resumption of this 2019-2020 NBA campaign. I really don't know. This is something none of us has ever seen before. It could be some of you. It could be all of you. It could be a lot, a little. I'm hoping it's a pretty good chunk. I feel like we've all missed it. It's hard to get big time into the idea of doing a ton of work for two and a half weeks of fantasy basketball because effectively, you know, the other side of that is, hey, I said six weeks from opening day last year, we were prepping for opening day. Six weeks from this, well, fine, we can make that comparison, but for what? The This regular season portion is going to run from July 30th Eight games tends to take teams about two and a half weeks. So probably until about August 15th or 16th, I think was the note that they had put together. They want the playoffs to start right around that time. So we're talking about two and a half weeks of basketball. Well, how much work were we doing for two and a half weeks of basketball if you start at the end of the season? Two and a half weeks from the end of the season would have been basically April 1st. Well, I guess that's two weeks. So like March 29th. How much work would we have done for the rest, the stretch from March 29th through April 15th? Not a ton. But here's how I'm looking at it right now. I am looking at it as an opportunity. It doesn't matter how long or short the resumption is. It's short. We get it. It doesn't matter how much time we're going to use to prepare for it. A decent amount is the answer to that. What matters is... This is an opportunity to make some money. This is an opportunity for us to show that all the things we've been doing over the years, all the prep we've done, all the work we've done with fantasy basketball, all the games we've watched, they can apply to multiple different scenarios, including the never-before-seen eight-game miniseason. Because that's what this is. And with only 22 teams. So let's today talk about some broad-stroke ideas of how we're going to deal with the season resumption. Between now and July 30th, we'll be digging into the numbers a little bit more, especially once we actually have the schedule, once we know who's playing when, and we find out the exact settings of leagues that are coming out, which, by the way, we'll talk about that at some point on today's podcast as well. Quickly, NBA news of the morning. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder executive Troy Weaver was hired by the Pistons as their new general manager. Not that that changes anything of our trajectory here, uh, but something did happen on the NBA front, so figured it was worth at least flipping it out there. But as far as broad stroke items go, as we prep for this NBA resumption, we want to go through this kind of piece by piece. Piece number one, which I hinted at just a moment ago, is settings. You absolutely positively must know the exact settings of the league you're joining. Let's all join a league. Let's do it. And let's put, I I don't know, put 25 bucks on your league. Get it, make it a 12-teamer. If it's a roto league, 
you know, again, you don't want to, if we want a bunch of money during the shortened regular season, you don't want to give a lot of it back. But again, this is an opportunity, I think, to make a little bit of headway. So make it a $25 league, make it a 12-team $25 league. So the pot's only 300 bucks. It's a, it's a little baby thing. Uh, first place gets half. First place gets 150. Second place gets, I don't care, uh, 75, a quarter. You got 75 left. Maybe split that between third and fourth. 50 for third. Buy-in back for fourth. That works, right? So you got 50%, 25%, uh, 20%, and 12th. Am I getting that right? I might have screwed that up. Doesn't matter. Close enough. Um. So make sure that you you put a couple dollars on it because again this is going to give us the drive to actually focus hard on this league. And then let's think about how we're actually going to go about winning this thing. First and foremost, this isn't a new season. One of the things that separates us generally in a new NBA season is that there's been a lot of player movement. And hoop ball Aaron Bruski in particular, our founder, and I think we're pretty damn good at it, but Aaron in particular is terrific at gauging out how players do in new scenarios. That's why we were so excited about this year. There was so much player movement. This is our opportunity to really sort of clean everybody's clock, and things were going pretty well at the time of the shutdown. But the reason I bring that up is that because there's no player movement, if you are redrafting, which I believe you should, don't carry over your league from March 11th to start something new here. If you're redrafting, you basically know what everybody's doing already. This is a cheat sheet draft. There really aren't question marks, at least in terms of what players are were doing and what they will likely continue to do as a point of reference. And, and yeah, there's only 22 teams, so you can just wipe eight teams off the board, but that's very easy to do. You just don't have those guys in your player pool. You don't draft them. Or even if someone's on a team that's playing but is hurt and questionable, like a Jonathan Isaac, or I don't think Kyrie Irving's going to play, but we can throw him into that boat as well. Just don't take a chance. I mean, it's two and a half weeks. Anybody who's even remotely hurt is not going to play. At least on any team that's already into a playoff spot. So let's just look at the top 10 when the season ended on March 11th. Anthony Davis with the Lakers. He was number one at the time the season ended. You know where he's going to be when we come back? Probably pretty damn close to number one. Give or take. Well, don't, don't worry. We'll break this down here shortly. James Harden. Kawhi Leonard. Cat not playing. Kyrie not playing. Dame at six. John Collins at seven. Whiteside at eight. Jokic, Bradley Beal. If you keep going, LeBron, Tatum, Butler, Paul, Embiid, Trey Young, Vooch. I look at that list... Kyle Lowry, Giannis, DeAndre Ayton. Basically, we've now listed the top 21 guys. Cat's not playing. Kyrie's not playing. So you can wipe them out. Hassan Whiteside is basically the only player, basically, out of all the names I just listed, 
whose role is going to be different coming back from the break than it was before, because presumably Yusuf Nurkic is going to get some minutes. We don't know precisely how many, but the answer is some. And you can do the same kind of thing in the middle part of, of this, re- this redraft. Uh, look at picks 50 through 60. Gallo with Oklahoma City, Tobias Harris, Jamal Murray, Norm Powell, Mitchell Robinson, Miles Turner, D'Angelo Russell, Marcus Smart, Kevin Love, TJ Warren, Ricky Rubio. Pull out the people that aren't playing. No Kevin Love, no D'Angelo Russell, no Mitchell Robinson. Who else in that list is really going to move much? Gallo's role's the same. Tobias Harris, role the same. Norman Powell, maybe the one guy on that list who you feel like his role has shifted in a meaningful way. And I don't even know that that's true because he was playing really well and he's actually healthy now. I'm talking a long time about this topic to get to a very simple point. The simple point is we've talked about all of these players in kind of a post-mortem and looking towards next year mentality, but we're not at next year yet. You know, we talked about Chris Paul being someone who probably gets maybe a little bit overdrafted next year because we, I mean, we loved him as a value this season coming off the bad year in Houston, but now he's having a great year and he's moving into a part of his contract where it's a little bit more movable next year for the Thunder, but we're not there yet. We're picking up where we left off. Guys with expiring contracts that we didn't know where they were going to be. There's no question mark hanging over those guys. There's no movement of teams. There are no guys here where their teammates came off of salary. Remember how we talked at great length three weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Doesn't matter. They're all the same. It's been one hundred. It's been one long 100-day day since the NBA shut down. I think it has been almost exactly 100 days. The... We talked at great length about the Toronto Raptors and how unbelievably excited I am to draft Raptors coming out of my ears next year because Serge is off the books. Gasol is off the books. Lowry moves into the final year of his contract. Freddie Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, this this core going forward are going to get minutes beyond their wildest dreams. But guess what? We're not there yet. There really aren't going to be many value plays in a redraft right now because we pretty much know what everybody's going to do. So how do you separate yourself when the season comes back? We separate ourselves during a normal fantasy draft by getting value plays, by drafting guys later than where they end up performing. And there will be little things like that in the redraft here. Where, you know, Kristaps Porzingis was ranked 23 on the season, but he was performing at a top five clip going into the break. So, yeah, I mean, that's a guy where maybe he outperforms where you draft him. And there will be guys where you want to, and like Brandon Ingram is an example of someone going the other direction. His arrow was pointed down because of Zion's return going into the, the layoff here. So there are examples of a couple of guys here and there, but it's not like a regular fantasy draft. I mean, we, we just finished talking about how Yahoo generally missed by anywhere from 20 to 50 pretty much any time you got outside the top 15. 
that's just not going to be the case right now. If you compare the current ranking of guys with what they do over these eight games, you're going to find generally that it's relatively close. A couple things you want to do in the redraft here. And I think perhaps the most important thing to do is draft players who will play. Because most likely, and actually this is sort of format independent, head-to-head, if you're going to do a two-week head-to-head battle, I don't even know how you would do that. That sounds terrible. So probably going to be a a two-and-a-half-week roto or points league where it's basically just tabulating. There probably aren't going to be many pickups and drops. And I'll talk about settings in a minute here. Again, that's the second thing I want to talk about. I thought that was the, the, the less interesting part of it. But let's say you're in a roto league. Eight games for the teams, meaning basically eight games you play at each position on your, your roster. For mine, we've talked about this before, I've turned off position eligibility, so it's three guards, three forwards, two centers, two utility spots. I think that's the easier way to do it. You got eight at each one of those slots, so 24 guard games, 24 forward games, 16 center games, 16 utility games. You guys get it. Simple math. You want to make sure that your best players are the ones playing. So, figure out who has something to play for. But even more than that, Figure out who will have something to play for after five games are done. An example. DeMar DeRozan. We talked about him as an example of someone that maybe shouldn't even go to the bubble because his team ain't making it. And his uh, star teammate is out. And his coach might be out. What if the Spurs lose their first two games? Of the resumption. You think those dudes are playing the last six? Not a full game. So DeMar DeRozan, number 43, going into the break. Maybe he's number 43 for two games. But then you got to put what? Your 11th? Your 11th pick in for him for the next six games? That's not great. Top 100 guy for six games and DeMar DeRozan for two. I'd either just take the next guy on my list and hope that he plays all eight. I keep picking on DeMar DeRozan. I don't actually dislike DeMar. I like his fantasy game these days because he's good at the percentages, and I think that's a sneaky way to win your league. But I'm just picking on him because he's on a team that probably shouldn't be in Orlando. They really probably should have just gone straight to the playoffs. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Everybody wanted to see Zion. Everybody wants to see Dame. I don't blame him. More games is fun for me. More teams is fun for me. I'll take it. So look for players like that, and as we get closer and we start to really break this thing down on a, on a nuts and bolts perspective, I'll give you the names that I'm looking at that I would dodge, because you want to look generally here at, at record. The Milwaukee Bucks have a six-and-a-half game lead over the Toronto Raptors for the first seed in the Eastern Conference. This whole eight-game run-up is going to be tune-up for them. Those guys are probably going to play 24 minutes a night. And they'll probably win half their games. But do you really want Giannis, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, and Brooke Lopez playing 24 minutes a game for these eight games? If your turn came up, remember Chris Middleton finished at number 22 
Let's say you have the 22nd pick and Middleton's on the board. And, oh, I don't know. Devin Booker is another name that you can throw into that mix. Team that's going to get eliminated pretty quickly. Look for someone nearby that's probably going to have to play. The Orlando Magic, I think a good example of this. Not necessarily because I think they're going to lose their playoff spot to the Wizards, but because you can bet your ass they don't want to play the Bucks in the first round. Orlando's a half game back of Brooklyn right now. The difference between the 8th seed and the 7th seed in the Eastern Conference is colossal. Tell me if you're Orlando, you don't look up at the rest of the teams in the playoffs out of the East and think, okay, Brooklyn, Philly, Indy, Miami, Boston, Toronto, I've got a shot against any of those teams on any given night. Milwaukee? Steamroll. And you get into the 7th seed, you're not even in the same side of the bracket. Your life is going to be hard no matter what if you're coming out of the 7 or the 8 seed. But wouldn't you rather have Toronto and Boston to get things going than Milwaukee in the first round? You got no shot. So Orlando's going to be playing their asses off right now. You got a chance to take Vooch in that spot? You do it. Because he's probably going to play all eight games. So figure out who is going to actually play all eight games. Particularly your first five, six rounds. If you can go deeper than that, even better. And then try to figure out if there might be some guys towards the end of the draft on teams where they do go into shutdown mode. We're drafting into silly season after about the top 60 or 70. Maybe less than that because we've pulled eight teams out of the mix. You pull the, the teams that aren't playing out of the top 70 right now, you'd trim it down to about the top 50 or 55. So what happens if, say, Anthony Davis takes the final three games off or, you know, the Lakers are five and a half games up on the Clippers. So they're basically in the one seed in the Western conference. I think LeBron and AD will play every single game. I think they probably play a fair amount through the first, maybe five of those eight games. And then you probably see them going half halvesies just to stay tuned up, tune up games where you don't want to risk any kind of injury. I don't think they're particularly intimidated by anybody that comes out of the eight seed in the Western Conference. So you might see a reason to stick, I don't know, is Dwight Howard actually going to play? Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee as your last round pick because you might get three powerhouse games out of those dudes if AD stops playing. So these are the strategies you need to have kicking around in your head because we already know what the guys are going to do when they're on the floor. That's not the question for this redraft. That's a big question, by the way, going into a normal, full-season, regular fantasy draft. What's this guy going to do for the entire season when he's on the floor? What's he going to do? We don't have that question right now. We know what they're going to do when they're on the floor. The question is, when are they going to be on the floor? How much are they going to be on the floor? 
That, to me, is the biggest single strategy we need to employ in a redraft right now. James Harden. Number two in fantasy at the time of shutdown. He's on a Rockets team that's a game and a half up on the Mavs. Tied with the Thunder, a game back of Utah. There really isn't a good route through the Western Conference because the Lakers and the Clippers are on opposite sides of the bracket right now. But I'm thinking the Rockets would probably rather be in that six seed or five seed because at least you avoid the Lakers and the Clippers in the first round. If you're the five seed, you might get a Utah Jazz team that was actually kind of pooping themselves going into the layoff. The Nuggets weren't playing very well going into the layoff, and they're in the sixth spot. Houston doesn't want to fall into the seventh seed, so Harden's going to play. Not that he doesn't anyway. So little things like that. And, yeah, I mean, of course, if you have the a top two or three pick in your redraft, that gives you a, a good edge just like it does in any other draft. But I would say your best move right now is take the rankings, take the top 100, go through it. First thing, first thing is easy. You just cross off anybody that's not playing. Simple pull them out, put them into an Excel spreadsheet, and then just delete those lines so you're not worrying about them. And then start crossing off names of guys that you're pretty sure aren't going to play all eight games and really aren't even going to play six. I know it's tough for teams like Sacramento, New Orleans, and Portland because it could go any number of ways. They're going to be trying harder than most of the teams they're playing against during those eight games. But it's possible the Blazers lose their first two games in the resumption, and they're cooked. If you fall behind two other teams racing for the eight seed, you're not going to make it. So after four or five games, then maybe Dame and McCollum are shut down. So you have a lot of question marks. And we played this game before. Remember when we were talking through the different what you might see depending on how many teams came back. Remember when the NBA was talking about whether they wanted to do 16, 20, 22, or 30 teams for this resumption? And we were like, well, who actually would care if there was a regular season? Milwaukee's not going to care. The Lakers are not going to care. You could make the argument that Phoenix won't care after a game. I guess there's not much of a reason for them to play hard. San Antonio is probably not going to care after a game. The Clippers, honestly, if they win a couple, they might stop caring. What's the difference to them between the two and the three seed, as long as they stay on that half of the bracket? I think for the most part, you've got some teams clumped in the middle that should care. The Heat, the Pacers, the Sixers, they're all fighting Toronto is in a weird spot where they really might not be fighting all that much after a couple of games if they lock up home court in the first round because they're not catching Milwaukee and they're three up on Boston. Boston would like to stay in front of Miami. uh, Brooklyn and Orlando, they're going to be fighting. Washington, probably not. So I think you can take Milwaukee as a team that's probably not going to play all eight games hard. Washington's not going to play all eight games hard. Toronto, probably not. The Lakers, probably not. The Clippers are a maybe. The Suns, the Spurs, probably not. At least one out of the three teams in that Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento group, probably not. 
And then look at the other side, the teams that probably will. Denver, Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, and Dallas on one side, and Memphis, a couple games, and they can play themselves in. Boston, Miami, Indy, Philly, Brooklyn, Orlando on the other side. So there's a, a decent number of teams to pick from, but be aware that there are also a decent number of teams that probably won't be going as hard as we want them to. The second key tenet that I think we all need to pay attention to for this NBA redraft is your league settings. It seems so simple and maybe even a little bit dumb to bring this up on a a fantasy basketball show for people that are pretty big diehards, but know your settings. Is it weekly or daily? Do you have a games cap? And if so, is it eight? Is it nine? Maybe we make it nine or ten. So you can play more guys and draft more guys and make your bench a little bit deeper. I might go nine. Have a little fun with it. Is it weekly? In which case, know the schedule. This one is, to me, not as interesting as the first tenet we talked about because the first one is is going to have a larger bearing on what you're doing and... Honestly, you're going to have to do more work related to it. But know your league settings because if you're in a daily league it with a games cap of eight, it might actually behoove you to save a game until the end and to make sure you are using up games at each position evenly because there isn't time to make up for it if you're hitting the start all active players button on your roster and stupid Yahoo puts the same puts the guard in the guard spot instead of the utility spot. And then on the last day of the regular season, you realize you have three utility games left to use. You're out of guard games, and you can only start two utility guys. So you got to make sure you use up your entire games cap, which means watching every single day, being judicious with who you play is another really big deal. Because those last two or three games, you're going to see reserves playing 35 minutes, and you might actually get more out of them than if you had played your eighth-round pick from the beginning of the draft. You know, your eighth-round pick is going to be a guy ranked somewhere near 90, which is, I don't know, let's call it Derek Favors. He is the number 90 guy right now. Would you rather play Derek Favors for all eight games? Or would you rather maybe sit him one game if they're going up against a particularly tough defense or maybe a small ball team where uh, New Orleans will likely play more Zion at center? Maybe you sit him one of those, wait until the very last day of the season, and maybe you were sitting on JaVale McGee and or Dwight Howard. Anthony Davis is ruled out, and suddenly you've got JaVale playing 25 minutes. Because JaVale at 25 minutes is better than Derek Favors at 25 minutes. We saw that last year. So be judicious and understand the league settings, for goodness sake, the settings of your league. That is a game changer. Tomorrow on the podcast, we wrap up the week. We're going to start looking at the names to target and the names to avoid. And we're going to go through them very methodically over the next couple of weeks, leading into most likely a mock draft of some kind. As soon as leagues are open, we'll do that. We'll start tracking where guys are actually going and what that means for our strategy. And by the, I mean, honestly, next thing you know, we're going to be playing. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Reminder, reminder, we are hunting DFS Brainiacs. 
Can you write? Can you podcast? Hit me up. We want you. Bug me or bike, bug Mike Apatria. I said bike. That's a combination of bug and Mike. Bug Mike Apatria at Mike Apatria on Twitter. I am at Dan Vesper, so you can email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Recruiting is on. We're building out the DFS unit here at, at uh, HoopBall, and we want you, me doing my Uncle Sam poster, we want you to be a part of it. Enjoy your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.